Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. I have a, another YouTube sensation, Instagram superstar, <laughs> Carrie Wedler. Welcome aboard. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thank you. Um, so, I, well, first off, I wanted to ask you briefly about what, what happened with your, um, you had a different platform that you had kind of partnered with, and then there was some sort of Russian collusion allegations. I just watched your video about it, and I wanted to explain it to people. <laughs> Yeah, so I used to work with a wonderful organization called the antimedia.org, and we partnered with pages like Police the Police, the Free Thought Project, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with, and we were all banned on the same day in 2018 from Facebook and from Twitter. I'm not sure if the Free Thought Project was banned from Twitter, but anti-media was. I was banned. Um, our, one of our other founders was banned, and um, that was in 2018 and it followed like a long campaign after the 2016 election of Russian collusion and fake news and trying to tie us to that. Um, and it also appeared, I cannot prove anything, but it came after Facebook and Twitter had both announced partnerships with the Atlantic Council, which is like an extension of NATO kind of, not officially, but it has all these ex-military, ex-CIA people. So mm -hmm. I don't know, they weren't advising directly, but it was their, I think it's their data forensics lab that took it upon themselves to police these platforms and found that we were very bad actors and had to be eliminated. So, <laughs> <that's that. laughs> did, they, did they give you any opportunity to, to appeal their analysis? Um, they did. Twitter denied my appeal with a made up reason. Um, something about like, I'm not allowed to manipulate user experiences on Twitter. I don't know what happened with the anti-media account. That was for my personal account. And then on Facebook, it was so interesting because a couple months before the bans, Facebook themselves had assigned us a representative to help us boost our reach because all the algorithms had been so messed up. They were like, here, have some free advertising cash, like promote your posts. And after we did that two weeks later, banned representative at first was like okay your appeals you know in the stack we're gonna get to it and after that she ghosted us we never heard from her again despite repeated emails so we just that was Un it <laughs> unbelievable so did you, yeah did you get any rubles for all this any <laughs> what you, any rubles did you get did you get any of that sweet russian collusion oh, yeah, money yeah, yeah. i'm clearly living very luxuriously here in los angeles <laughs> it was worth it to sell my soul to the russian government <laughs> an anarchist selling their soul to the russian government makes sense um <laughs> Well, so this morning I had on a, a guy um, that really shook my whole soul. He was, uh, what was his name? David Garnoski. Uh, he, he just blew my mind. And, and what he got me thinking about uh, primarily, and I wanted to talk to you about it, we'll just go straight into the deep end here, is, <laughs> is that, uh, well, I'll, I'll work up to the deep end. So okay. <laughs> uh, first off, I'd like to know, what, what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Why? Um, well, I was raised, I was raised as a liberal, really, like a progressive principled liberal, like my mom's not like a rah-rah Hillary Clinton type of person, neither is my dad, but I was raised with that mindset. And at the same time, I was just, my mom always tell me, told me, you can do whatever you want, but do something to help the world. So I always kind of, and I always associate that with liberalism, right? You know, like mm -hmm. state is liberalism, um, which was not, you know, it was misguided, but 
I was always very anti-war when I was coming of age, the Iraq war was happening and my mom was very anti-war. So I did have that influence. And then Obama was president and I supported him. I voted for him. It was my, the only election I ever voted for. Well, I voted for him and then I voted for Paul, but I voted for Obama once. And when I started realizing he was no different, he had expanded the wars and that was my biggest issue. And then there were other things, obviously. Um, it just became, there was actually, when I think about it, there's a documentary called Dirty Wars. It mm -hmm. came out, yeah, you know what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man, that is a difficult watch, but I'll never forget sitting. And I was already against Obama at that point, but seeing just how brutal it was, even though I already knew, I knew the history of the American empire, but I like, I'm thinking about watching that movie right now and I can still feel, you know, just yeah. in tears. I still tear up when I see police brutality videos. Like when I'm editing my videos and I'm going through this footage, like I'm just sitting in my bed editing, crying, honestly. And it's, it's why, because it's not right. And if I have a voice, I should use it. And maybe that's not for everyone, but I feel that I'm in a position to articulate myself and advocate freedom and peace. And it's like, why would I not do that if I have the opportunity? No, I love it. Uh, I mean, we need a hell of a lot more of it. So <laughs> I'm not trying to dissuade you. I'm just trying to no, basically get people to hear your why. So hopefully they can find it in themselves. Like why? Yeah. And, and if you obviously have a why as to what you're actually doing, some people have a why as to why they're not, you know, why they're not right, standing totally. up. Yeah. So I'm trying to inspire people a little bit to, to throw off the, uh, the yoke of the state and just be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say something motherfuckers. Yeah. Like <laughs> and there's, there's this great quote. Cause when I first, when I was still a status and I was anti-war and I thought I was like really anti-establishment, you know, cause I hated George Bush. I remember learning about operation Ajax, which again, I'm sure your listeners know about when the CIA and British intelligence or whatever they are overthrew the elected leader in Iran. And I wasn't thinking like, ah, that's very anti-anarchist. I was just thinking like, that seems anti-democratic. Um, and then years later, when I got into Ron Paul, he's the only politician I ever heard who spoke about that. But what I'm working up to is a quote by Mohammed Mossadegh, which is the leader who was ousted. And it's, if I sit silently, I have sinned. And that's just how I felt. And you can change the world in other ways. You don't have to speak out. You can, you know, you can be very, uh, like, what's the word I'm thinking? Of? Like, you can be materialistic about it in a sense of you're putting something out in the world. You're an entrepreneur, you're innovating, you're developing technology, you're promoting technology, you're funding these great projects. For me, it's speaking out and using my actual voice. Yeah. So it's it's not like you have to do one thing. You have to make YouTube videos. You have to have a podcast. You have to have an Instagram page and post memes. It's however you feel you can share the message. And that's the beauty of liberty is we all have different perspectives and methods <laughs> and it makes me so happy and grateful. <laughs> You're amazing. Um, yeah, I, I think since I'm probably from a, a generation older than you, for me, it was the collateral damage videos um, mm -hmm. from Assange and Snowden and then I was I mean, there for that. <laughs> oh, no, I know. I know. Yeah. The, the one that you probably weren't for uh, was Rules of Engagement, which was this documentary that mm -hmm. came out in the 90s about the Waco siege. Oh, okay. That, that, oh, I got to watch that. Oh, you got to watch that. <laughs> oh, so my God. <laughs> oh, you, you think you cry looking at police brutality videos. Right. This is children being lit on fire by the state. Yeah. It is, it's about as egregious as it gets. And, and for me, that was the moment there was no turning back. I was like, yeah. I don't know, 15 years old. And I watched that documentary and I was like, wow. I, I need to reevaluate everything because yeah. if, if the state can do this, they can do a whole hell of a lot. Um, so uh, the other, the other thought I had with David uh, was that it, it seems to me that in, in the absence of religion, we have had a void left in the culture that has led towards statism. And I, I'm not the first to make this you know observation. It's fairly obvious uh, whether or not, you know, it's chicken, the egg or whether or not it's actually, 
one filling the void of the other, or if it's just coincidental, I can't say definitively, but to me, it seems more likely that it is the loss of faith and the, uh, I guess, demunition of, of religion in this country that is leaving leading people towards answers. And for them, the answer has become, you know, President Obama or whoever, the, whatever their latest, you know, political deity is. Have yeah. you, I, I don't know your religious background. I know that you, uh, <laughs> I think you were Jewish originally. Are you still? Um, by blood and according to the Jews, yes, because my right. mother is the Jewish one. So sure. like technically that means yes. I was not raised like that at all. Like I remember every year it would be like, oh crap, we forgot to light the Hanukkah candles, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like my mom said I could go to Hebrew school if I wanted to, but I was like, no, I don't think I want to learn another language, but I was always given the freedom to explore. And if I had questions, my parents told me, and I've sort of in my adulthood evolved into spirituality. So I think it's the same thing, like spirituality, religion, something that gives faith, that cultivates compassion and love for your neighbor. You know, these are very basic tenets. I mean, I'm not a religious scholar, so don't quote me. And I wasn't raised religiously, but you know, from what I understand of all the things I've read, it seems like love and compassion and empathy and helping others like that always factors into these religions. And in the absence of that, people don't have faith. They don't feel a sense of leadership from anything but government. And then you have this indoctrination machine teaching people that they literally are the government, mm-hmm. that these people literally represent you. I got these ideas from Larkin Rose. He has a whole book on it and it's the most, most dangerous superstition. But he's yep. he kind of like after that book was like, wait, no, it's a religion. It's literally a religion. And then I made a video that was totally inspired by him. So I've actually made a video on this. But it's, it's really scary to see. And it it lines up like there's rituals. You pray to your masters to save you, you know, you it's disturbing when you check out of it, but when you're in it, you know, you think it's this civilized. And I thought that too, like I was so proud to be an American voting for Barack Obama, you know? And I really thought that I was doing the right thing. I was doing the compassionate thing. And Mm -hmm. it's really hard to be compassionate when you're like pointing a gun at somebody's head and telling them they have to do what you say. So there's a little bit of a disparity there, but I mean, that's kind of the nature of statism. I love it how you always take it to the, to the, Nth degree. You always bring up state <laughs> violence. So you do that in your videos very often. It's, I refuse not to, honestly. No, I'm like, am I getting a little repetitive? I don't care. <laughs> yeah. well, it, it's such a it's such a powerful point. It's really necessary to to hit people over the head with it, uh, you know, metaphorically, of course, but it's true. That is that is the the mechanism of the state is force and it's violence. And and anytime you think like, oh, this would be a good idea. Well, just keep in mind that your good right. idea means that someone's <laughs> holding a gun to someone else's head. Like exactly, basically whatever it is. Um, exactly. So, so I guess that I'm not sure that that we really got to the bottom of that question, though. Do you do you think that that society can function without? I mean, like I, I know that you found meditation, so have I. I'm not a very religious person. Um, yoga, I've also found so of you. So <laughs> this is some sort of like natural arc that happens with right. libertarianism and anarcho-capitalism and whatnot. But right. um, I, it does seem to me though, that, you know, we are abnormal. You know, uh, I try, I try to like, it'd be stupid to try and put our ideology on these people because these people don't view the world the way we do. So right. I'm curious, do you think that we can have a moral cohesive society with the absence of religion? With the total absence of religion? Well, not an absence, but like uh, not a majority. You know, you have a mm. so, like a half of the people are right. atheists. Their their religion is the state. So I shouldn't right. say that right. they are they are actually atheistic. They just have a religion that I find completely abhorrent. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I guess 
if we had a culture that with principle promoted these values of like empathy and helping people, sure, yeah. But I mean, spirituality has become such a central part of my life and my path and my journey. And like, I, I was driven to it, I think because of all the frustration and rage I felt about statism. And of course they had my entire childhood to sort through, you know, like I, 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 one of my biggest pet peeves is when libertarians are like, oh, the government's making me depressed. It's like, mm, I mean, I feel like there's something else going on there as well, you know, and we can't just blame everything on the government, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think there needs to be spirituality. I think absent at least qualities that align with spirituality that are probably going to be easiest cultivated through spirituality, religion, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, we're going to need that because people are so addicted to their rage and to like, I don't know, watching videos of status and just talking to people and seeing comments online. They're so identified with government and they're so identified with their, how much they despise people who disagree with them. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, what a miserable way to live, first of all. And also like, yeah, when you're putting that energy out into the world and that's how you're interacting with people, of course, you're going to think you need a government to keep you safe and to defend you. And you need violence because people are bad. Mm -hmm. And I think what spirituality for me has helped me, I tend to, you know, just like one of other people who are anarchists, you know, oh, God, you're a bad person. You're a bad human. And spirituality has allowed me to recognize they're not bad people. And Larkin Rose, actually, Larkin Rose and spirituality, they align, you know, but um <laughs> It's taught me that they're victims of the propaganda. And yeah, I could be angry and I do get angry, but if I choose to dwell there, like how am I, I'm just putting out statist energy, you know, like that mm -hmm. aggression and no, it's not physical aggression, of course. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to skew the nap, you know, and got all, you know, big tent with a nap, but <laughs> big umbrella, whatever it is. But um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. But, oh, it's okay. Oh, yes it's a lot happier and it's a much more peaceful existence when you can recognize the humanity of others, even if they dis disagree. And a lot of people confuse that for, no, that means that I'm going to let them tread on me. And no, not at all. You can mm -hmm. set boundaries without being hateful. Right. You can be like, Hey, I respect you as a person. I'm still not going to let you use force to control me. And you don't have to be angry about it. Just this is the way it is. And if you are angry about it, like even as a libertarian or anarchist, there's so many miserable anarchists because, and understandably all they see around them is like coercion and people trying to violate their rights and same. And I'm not saying I never get angry. Like I meditate 30 minutes every morning because I do get angry. This, like, <laughs> I learned Carrie, we need to keep yourself in check before we go on the internet for the day. You know, like let's, let's approach this calmly, you know, because freedom isn't, I don't know. I, again, I've gotten really spiritual and it's funny because the spiritual teachers I subscribe to are not anarchists, you know? And I'm like, how, did, how, how are you, how are you sharing such profound insight and you're still going to go vote like i don't right. it blows my mind but um they, they haven't extrapolated out the ideology fully yeah that's exactly. kind of how i view it i exactly. i swear to god we're the same person you just speak a hell of a lot faster <laughs> you uh, know sorry i'm a valley girl it's just who i am and people hate it but i if i speak slower then i sound like very monotone and like i don't care so no 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 please continue i'm not trying to dissuade <laughs> that it's just funny i'm from san diego so uh, oh nice know, i'm from I, san diego i don't have the the valley vibe quite but um yeah the the thought i was having about it when when david was talking about it this morning and by the way his his analogy at the end of the episode was to to basically force me to have sympathy for Hillary Clinton. Mm, yeah. Talk, talk about a a test of your yeah. capacity yeah. for, you know, caring for others and, and empathy and all that. So I thought it was a really good lesson. But but what it got me thinking about while I was at the gym today was that um, basically it seems to me that because we are up against such a 
such a daunting task. We have a society that's in decay. We have a, a government that's, you know, probably going to collapse. We have fiat currency that's probably going to collapse. We have all of these things that are stacked up against us. If we are un if we can't separate ourselves from our mortal being, how will we possibly have the courage to to proceed forward and pursue these things that will will almost certainly be risking our lives? I mean, that's and and what it made me think about further was that like throughout history, the people that have taken the biggest risks are usually those that that have a faith in something after, you know, mm -hmm. and, and while I still don't necessarily have that faith, um, I do believe that there are worse things than death. And I'm kind of like, I've always held on to that. But then with my meditation practice, I've started to get more in tune with like, uh, and I've also done mushrooms before. So that helped. <laughs> and then I've done float tanks and that helped. And um, I'm starting to feel more and more as if, you know, I think that Clint, me goes away, but there is still something else. And and I shouldn't fear it necessarily. And I know it sounds like I'm a total crazy person, but. No, I'm like nodding along. I'm like, you know, this is exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> I, think you, I, <laughs> I think you get what I'm talking about. And, yeah. and, and my point with it all is that if a society lacks that feeling, that sensation, mm -hmm. I don't know how you can get not even a majority, but, uh, you know, a, a meaningful minority to take that risk and demand freedom back. Right. It just seems as if it seems as if the aspect of libertarianism or, or anarcho-capitalism or, anarch or anarchism period that is missing a link is that people people need to be inspired to believe more deeply. And and I'm I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> no, I completely agree. And I'm gonna go down like a very strange rabbit hole right now, but I have a Please. point. So stick with me. You don't have to believe in it. So I recently read this book called Many Lives, Many Masters, and it's about reincarnation. And it's mm -hmm. about this like like buttoned up Jewish Ivy League psychiatrist who has this experience with a client and is like his, his life completely changes. And if you're going with it, whether he imagined it or not, the message itself is like very profound to me. So definitely read it if you're interested in any of this kind of stuff. I read it in one night. Like I could not put it wow. down. I was just like, ah, I can't. I made it to page 170 out of 200 and I was like, just do it, girl, just finish. Like get it done. <laughs> and it was so worth it. And in these like messages from the beyond and in these explorations of past lives, if you're into it, allegedly, I'm not even saying I believe every single word he says, but the messages that seem to come through from these allegedly evolved spirits, like these beings beyond what we can perceive, beyond the physical form it's really like peace compassion free will you can't force people you have to lead with love and like I was thinking about it, I'm like okay if this is all real there's no way that these spirits are statists like there's you know like <laughs> you can't embody love and compassion when you're again we already talked about it but like and it's so profound it's just of course love yourself love other people and Actually, now that I said that out loud, I know that that's not the exact point we're talking about, but I think that is really at the root too, is people don't care for themselves. They're not taught to. We don't know how to love ourselves. Most of us had childhoods where our parents had traumatic childhoods and we're like passing trauma down from generation to generation with feelings of inadequacy, not being enough, feeling like we're fundamentally flawed and wrong. Mm -hmm. And so how convenient that there's this ideology that comes along, democracy, and tells you like, you matter, you're special, we care about your voice, use it, we're going to reflect it. And of course, you have all these broken, wounded people, myself included. I'm just not a statist anymore, but you have all these people desperate to feel like they're enough and they matter. So of course, people are going to buy into statism and they're not going to see the reality of it. One, because they're not taught. And two, even if it's in their face, they can't let go of that identification with feeling empowered. Mm -hmm. No, that's that's all great points. And <clears throat> I think that the 
I used to not care about culture. I used to think that like everyone has differences of opinion. They can live however they want. And, and I still largely feel that way. But when you consider the fact that the culture has degraded so severely, you start to realize that how can you possibly convince people that anarchism is possible if they have homeless people strewn everywhere and drug use rampant and overdoses and all the all of these negative things that come from a society in decay it seems almost impossible and and therefore i now have begun to consider and talk more frequently about cultural issues because i don't see any any path forward unless we we cultivate a society that actually is healthy to some extent yeah. um or we just go through the collapse and you pray to god that people you know figure out that communism sucks and then we build back slowly but i'd really like right. to avoid that if i can you know same <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh um uh, so how is it that uh, that we are to inspire people i mean obviously we've we've decided that that it's necessary that that people work on themselves they become a healthier person so that they can actually uh, you know consider a life without uh, an all-powerful state how do we inspire them down that path? I, I realize most of this as an individualist, uh, it's it's on them. You know, it's like a drug addict. They got to decide when they're ready. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> is, there, is there anything we can do to help them on that path? Or is it just produce content and pray that it, you know, leaks into their ecosphere? Um, it's produced content. It's, um, ed it's education because like what you're talking about, like, okay, people like shooting up on the street, homeless people. So many of these are state sanctioned or state caused problems. Like Certainly. either the state created it or they made it worse mm -hmm. or they failed to fix it. So that's one angle to take. But what I just love is that so many people come to this community through so many different means. Like some people come through health or through nutrition and diet and they see how the government is screwed that, screw that up. People come from the firearms community from being like right-wing status to reaching anarchism. So I feel like there's so many different inroads people can take. And again, that comes back to just how unique we all are as individuals and how we all have something different to communicate and to offer. But honestly, and I hope this answer isn't a cop out, like I think it's think, hope, whatever. I think that people are going to have no choice but to look at other options. The more it devolves, the more it collapses, they won't be able to rely on these things forever. They're dependent right now, but at some point they're gonna get cut off and they're gonna have to look at other options. And hopefully, and what I think is already happening is these things are already happening. There's mm -hmm. already been a response. Like Bitcoin was the response to the 2008 collapse or 2007, whenever that happened, you know? So it's already happening. Mutual aid groups are cropping up. I know it's more of like a left anarchist thing, but I don't care if it's voluntary and you're helping people and they're not dependent on the state, please go for it. So it's really, it's really cool to see, like I'm on signal. I don't use regular messaging, hell no. Encrypted communications, like just adopting these things in our everyday lives. It seems so small and people hate when I say this, but like it starts with you and that's always, been that way like sure. you can't change an entire society without changing the individuals and I know we like to laugh at the word society but like that's what we're up against it's an entire society even if we don't feel we belong in it right. so I do think it's going to happen naturally um but we can do the best we can both to communicate to show people and to give them tools and options and show them another way because for every government program there's probably a free market or agorist way to do it even better and more efficiently no that's true and uh, along the lines of one of your earlier points uh, it, it's funny to me because especially amongst the, the woke crowd, they always talk about acknowledging people's lived experience, right. you know, have you heard that term? Yes. And, <laughs> and, and it's like, don't, don't question, don't doubt my, this is my lived experience. Right. Like you can't tell me that I'm feeling something wrong. Well, it's right. funny. It's funny because when you're talking about how people won't have a choice, because once the system collapses, 
they start to realize like, okay, I'm on my own. Well, the funny thing to me is that when you have people from say Cuba or the Eastern Bloc or any of these communist countries come over here as immigrants and they're witnessing the lockdowns and they're telling all of their neighbors, their friends, their family, their coworkers, this is fucking communism, folks. Like we're headed down a very dangerous path, but people still, it's like, well, could you, I, like that's the one time I would like a lived experience to really be acknowledged, you know? Right. Yeah. And that seems, that's a good point. I've never thought about that. Like that's just disregarded. Like your feelings don't matter. Yeah. But it's like, but, but they're, they you lived can verify it. It with history. Yeah. Like it's, it's all, you know, just like you can verify racism with history. Yeah. Like it's real. Yeah. And it's, I just want to say, I love what you said, you know, this is how I feel. You have to acknowledge how I feel. Okay, that's fine. You're allowed to feel what, and everyone is allowed to feel whatever they want. If you want to be filled with rage, that's valid. I'm sure there's a good reason that you're that angry. You know, I'm sure I understand. However, I'm not responsible for your feelings. Right. Like I can acknowledge them. You're entitled to them. I'm not going to tell you that they're wrong or bad. However, it's not my job to cater to them and pander to them. And that's just a boundary I set for myself, you know, like, and it's funny because I've spent so many years, like every time I make a video, I just be like, oh, who's going to be mad? Oh, those people aren't going to like it. I have to change that line. And no, too bad, whatever. They can be upset. Again, that's not my problem. And it's not their problem that I feel anxious about pissing them off. That's my problem. <laughs> I'm feeling to deal with, you know, like. Good point. Responsibility. Yeah. And that factors in a lot to spirituality, I found. So it's funny that there's this disparity between like the spiritual community and not being anarchist that there's such status because so much of the messaging at least in the spirituality that i'm into is like you have to love yourself you have to take care of yourself you're responsible for your feelings nobody's going to make your life better for you like emotionally spiritually that's on you mm -hmm. so it's funny that like that hasn't clicked yet for people in those communities yeah and and it's it's funny the overlap either way like yeah if you're yeah. an anarchist you believe that you're responsible for yourself and your own actions and behaviors and thoughts and everything else and if you're religious or meditating, you're kind of taught the same thing. So it's like, yeah. can we just get a cohesive, can we, yeah. can we figure this out folks that you're both yeah. on the same team and like they, you, you can't have one without the other. Uh, yeah. I, I let's, let's hope. Um, so, <laughs> but besides uh, meditation, how do you stay optimistic in the face of all this? Hmm. I don't always, I definitely, sure. sometimes I dip out. I don't make a video for a couple months. You know, I'm just like, I'm tired. I'm not, I don't want to, <laughs> you know? And because I also spent so much time like feeling like I had to, and it's okay. I'm shadow banned on like all the platforms. Like it's okay. <laughs> took if the I don't pressure make... off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's well, nobody's going to see it anyway. What does it matter? You know, I don't have to be on a strict schedule. If it, if it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but honestly, meditation and getting into my deeper spiritual work and just remembering that there's more than this world, you know, there's more than just the statism and the status, like, and it's just looking at the solutions. And to me, meditation really is a solution because so many people are so reactive, myself included. Like if you look at my older videos, I'm still sassy in them. But if you look at my videos from like five years ago, I am angry, you yeah. know, like I, like my real life friends were like, that's not you, Carrie. Like, I feel uncomfortable watching your videos. Like, why are you, you're so angry in them? And it's, it's been through a lot of self-work that I've brought it back. Doesn't mean, again, I get angry. I get really angry. And I've just learned that like, I can be a bigger container for that anger instead of like thinking I am the anger, you know? And like, I love, I love that metaphor. That's great. Yeah. Like, same path. Uh, no, yeah. I was just going to say same path. I, in my twenties, you know, after nine 11 and everything, I, I was just like, I was just a ball of rage and, right. and, I'm really glad that I didn't get into podcasting until 
<laughs> I, had, I had found meditation. I mean, I probably would have yeah. been far more successful as a podcaster had I found it while right. I was all filled with people rage. Love but, it. Yeah. Um, but in truth, I think that people like the balance too. I think that they, they do. You're, you're so, especially throughout 2020 with the lockdowns, you're so overwhelmed with negativity and yeah. your, and your soul is like heavy. So like, do you really want to come yeah. to me and hear me rage? Sure. Sometimes yeah. I'll hit you with yeah. a good rant here and there. Yeah, right. Um, but I think that people also like having a sense of balance and, and a sense of hope in all this, because it yeah. is so easy to feel hopeless right now. I mean, yeah. we're, we're up against so much. So I'm glad yeah. that you found a path, I guess. Yeah. And just one little distinction. I, there's actually a wonderful book. It's not about anarchism, but it actually touches on a lot of horrible elements of statism. The guy's still a statist and he doesn't know that he's touching on statism, you know, but he's wonderful. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's actually about, um, it's very, it's like a niche subject, but I feel like all the anarchists, everybody should read it. It's about just how the body stores trauma. Mm. And something he said, I mean, it's a wonderful book. It's about like neuropsychology, fascinating. I'm all into that stuff. But something he said that really clicked for me was, you know, just talking more about solutions, you can say, I am sad, I am hopeless, I am angry, I am worthless, or you can reframe it as a part of me feels really sad. That's not me. Right. I'm much bigger than that. I have this awareness that can sense and feel into these things. It doesn't mean I am them. And I feel like I used to get so identified with the feelings that I couldn't separate like my true self my compassionate self, this self that's beyond Carrie Wedler, you know, like what you were talking about, like not just Clint, that's the real wisdom. It's as much as I have like information in my head and I can make educational videos, the real wisdom that's brought me peace and keeps me hopeful is that of like, no, I'm not all these feelings and I'm allowed to feel these things. That doesn't mean that it's true. And that's mm -hmm. one more distinction I want to say is, um, her name's Tara Brock. Another, she's not an anarchist again, but she's a wonderful, like retired therapist, Buddhist meditation teacher. I love her. I listen to so many of her podcasts. I do her meditations. And um, she makes a point about, I think this is a Buddhist thing. It's not her thing, but it's this notion of real versus true. Hmm. So yeah, these feelings feel really real. It's hopeless. I'm never going to make a change. Is it true though? And there's a big distinction there. It can be real and you can respect that and you can feel it. It doesn't mean you have to believe it hmm. and take it as reality. And that has also been really helpful for me. Well, and sometimes I'm like, no, it's also true. But, you know, like, then I come back down. And I'm like, okay, let's take a step back, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's been really helpful as well. Well, now now I know where my therapist got it because he's been using that exact line. Oh, on really? Me. Yeah, yeah. He probably I, knows of her. Yeah, of course. I, <laughs> awesome. I, didn't, I didn't realize that. But um, yeah, and, and the other thing that I, I realize anytime I get really in, in tune with my spiritual side, which is infrequent because I'm not a very spiritual person, but when it happens, I notice that I can't, I can't even muster the same level of anger. Like it, it actually right. becomes impossible. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm like, this is so trivial in the grand scheme of things. And if you actually, if you actually extrapolate out, if you actually, you know, take a, uh, like a 10,000 feet view of all of this, it does become very minute. It's like, yeah. it's like, yeah, there are really severe problems and we could definitely make for a better, better world and a better society or whatever you want to call it. Um, but ultimately, I mean, we're, we're, but a blink in existence. And is it really that important? You know, like, right. is, is it not more important to just love as aggressively yeah. and as openly as possible <laughs> in this short time that you have? And I know I'm getting way off track and I never talk about this on my show. So we'll see if people like it or not. I don't really care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it really is true. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to dissuade people from staying passionate and staying committed to the, the cause and all that. Yeah. But, but I think it is always important to have those moments at least where you can say like, okay, you know, this is a little overwhelming. I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to go, you know, hug my, my kid or whatever. 
Right. And that's the thing is it can feel really good to be angry when you feel so self-righteous, right? Like I'm right and you're wrong. And like, how good does that feel? I'm up here and you're down here and you're right. bad and I'm good. Mm -hmm. But when you actually check in when you're feeling anger, like that's been a big practice for me too. Is like, how does my body feel? Okay. My heart's racing. It's tight. It feels gripped. I don't feel good. It's not enjoyable. So like, sure. Like you can get off on being right. But when you actually check in with what it's doing to your body, and I'm not saying anger is bad. It's actually a very useful emotion. Like it lets us know that our boundaries have been violated. And like, that's a big one with statism, you know, like I have a boundary that I don't want a gun to my head. I don't want to be forced. And when somebody right. puts that to my head, yeah, I'm going to be angry, but what's underneath there. One, you're seeing like this huge reactivity, like your heart rate goes up. It's not a pleasant sensation to experience. And I know I'm also getting a little off track here, but what's underneath the anger? Like what's more vulnerable that you don't want to feel or that you can't feel, or it's too scary to feel. It's probably fear. And I know that a lot of like, Oh, I'm not afraid, but like, I don't know. I'm aren't you a little, yeah, exactly. I'm not saying you feel that way, but I get that reaction a lot from people when I talk about these things and it's yeah. like, well, you're not afraid that the government's like seizing all of your Liberty. I, it's okay to be afraid of that. You can also act and resist it, but like pretending you're not afraid. Well, that's how you end up angry and raging and that's mm. not fun. Right. And it, I don't have negative effects on your well-being, and I refuse to let the state do that to me anymore. Yeah, I just I, I won't give them that power over me. No, I love it, and and I don't think I don't think there's anything un, unmasculine about admitting that you're afraid of the most powerful government in the history of mankind. Yeah, I mean, right. You have to you'd have to be <laughs> insane not to be a little bit afraid. And and like I started this off with, it is extremely daunting. You know what we're up against mm -hmm. is very very daunting. But uh, I try and stay somewhere in between the the fear and the and the rage and stay like optimistically focused and locked mm -hmm. in and like productive because mm -hmm. for me that has given me a greater sense of purpose and and a greater sense of calm and peace in all of this because it's like okay yeah. what else what else could I possibly be doing you know like I'm I'm giving all of myself to this and and over the past year since I started the show I have truly just poured my soul out you know I'm like I am just trying with everything I have. And if it's not enough, well, then I can rest easy, you know, in prison mm -hmm. <laughs> and get <laughs> <laughs> like, Well, and you know that you did everything you could. <laughs> and actually, I just want to share one thing. Ron Paul actually said I got to go. I've been to several events where he was speaking because I'm like, Ron Paul, I'm going. I want to hear about. Um, but a friend of mine had been working. This was like a few years after the 2012 election. And he had been working within the Republican party here, there was like a Liberty caucus and they were trying to reform the party. And he was just getting like very tired of it. And he why, had already why would there need caucus. to be a Liberty caucus in the Libertarian party? It was, well, no, it was in the Republican party. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Excuse so me. it was like the Republican, something, something Liberty caucus. And gotcha. he was just not enjoying it anymore. And he asked Ron Paul, like, do I keep doing it? And Ron was just like, if you're not having fun, there's no point. Like, <laughs> I love it. And it's true. And that you're asking my why, and I didn't say it, but I also really like video editing. I love making video. Oh, cool. I, I mean, I burn out and then I don't do it, but I was just editing today and I'm like, oh, I love it. Oh my God. Even if I'm just like dragging footage and like snipping and trimming and, you know, and it's very, <laughs> but I actually love doing it. So if you don't love it, don't do it. Like it's not good for you. And it's probably not going to have your intended effect if you're not doing it with love and with care and with passion. Yep. So I, it doesn't mean you, again, you don't have to make videos, find something that you love doing. And maybe, you know, don't, if you're not feeling it, don't just meditate and take care of yourself. And honestly, right. that is enough because yeah. as like, this is a society, a society that is not spiritual, that is not religious, that doesn't have a higher sense of faith in anything or love or compassion, you know, or they think they do. And it's very tied up with statism. So seriously, just taking care of yourself that has a ripple effect.
And Absolutely. if you can be kinder to others, if you can communicate more calmly, that's going to make a change. And even if that change is just for you, oh my goodness, how wonderful. You get yeah. to live in peace. Cool. Yeah. And, and it probably will have a trickle on effect to your kids if you're <laughs> lucky enough to have exactly. a family and, and all that. So I, I agree. And what's really, what's really profound and powerful about that as you extrapolate it is that the more people are well, they're like, they are solid internally, mm-hmm. the easier it is for them to stand up against the mob because- yep. Like for me, I've become, I'm, I'm like nearly retired. So I'm like very financially free. I'm only 38. So, and then I also have this, like this mindfulness meditation practice that has really helped ground me. Like all of these things combine into me being a really formidable force when it comes to statism, you know, like I don't give a fuck what they have to say, (laughs) you know, and I don't give a fuck. I don't have an employer. So you can't, you can't do anything to me essentially, other than put me in Gitmo, which I definitely fear. Um, But, but my point is like the more, the more people become both uh, healthy, but also financially healthy, Mm -hmm. the better off you can be because then you can actually take these stands that are going to be necessary. Like that's the main thing I try to get across to people is like, it's going to be necessary, like in your lifetime, this is coming. So please, you know, prepare. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I get a little bit more topical and a little less out of the philosophical, uh, how, how are we to get past racism if we are constantly focusing on racism? And, and the reason I bring it up is because we had a, a man who apparently had a sex addiction and went and killed eight um, masseuses in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, apparently it was not because they were Asian, but because he was a regular client of, mm-hmm. you know, rub and tug type parlors, just to put oh. it bluntly. Uh, okay. That's the, the recent, the recent uh, reports from the police there. I tend to believe it because it seems as if if it were racially driven, they would have almost certainly really hammered that point. Um, And the media is just harping on it 24 seven. It's like, ah, it's, you know, there's been tons of black people that have been killing Asian people over the past year, by the way. And this is a serious issue. So I'm not trying to to diminish it. But the fact that they they want so desperately for the white guy to have been driven by racism, as opposed to the fact that he was a very sick person who took eight lives, regardless of color on any side. It's really tragic. How do we get past this? in your opinion? Well, I want to preface it by saying I don't have all the answers. Um, no. there's, I've pondered Carrie, it a little bit. <laughs> Carrie, I'm asking for the answers. You are the, you are my, <laughs> oh, you are no. my muse. Give me the <laughs> I got to get it right. Um, <laughs> um, well, something that comes to mind when you said racism, I don't know who said it. I'm, I feel like it was a prominent person and I'm going to paraphrase it, but they basically said racism is an affliction of the heart. And it is like, you don't find people who are very much at peace and very happy with their lives and very connected to others around them who want to go shoot people up, you know, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like, we've been talking about all this anger. Yeah. Oh my God. Who was I thinking of? There was someone, no, it's lost on me. Sorry. I'm starting to think of somebody in history that this reminded me of, but um, yeah, if you don't, if your needs aren't met, if you grow up without love in your home, without feeling, or even adequate love, like you could have, intermittent love. It's still not enough. You're, there's going to be a sense of resentment and it's a lot easier to blame other people than it. Oh, I know who I'm thinking of. Um, there's a wonderful person. I can't think of his last name. Um, Daryl something. He's a musician. There's a documentary about it, how he would go and talk to KKK members. Oh yes. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And and you find that like, I'm, he does these interviews and invariably the people who were in the KKK, the people who harbored the most rage had difficult childhoods. Mm -hmm. They struggled. And for me, like this has become a big thing for me. And I know I'm not answering the question, but people got to look into their trauma, man, because it guides how we behave and how we feel and our beliefs. 
and we're so unconscious of it. Like it's been a practice for me over the last few years to be like, who's here right now? Oh, oh it's a seven-year-old who doesn't feel loved. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Maybe she doesn't need to be in the driver's seat, you know, like, <laughs> but seriously, and it's I really, love that. I, love it, that. <laughs> I didn't come up with myself. I have some very good spiritual teachers, but, yeah, that's um, great though. Yeah, it's we have to heal our hearts. And the other thing too, I just want to say is I I have felt very disconnected from the left-wing anti-police brutality movement because so much of it is about race and there's no conversation at all about the violence inherent to statism. Or like it's so weird because they'll document all of this history of statist racism, of institutionalized racism. And I know there are people who are like, it's not real, it's real. There, you read the history, it happened. And I don't understand why libertarians reject that when they could use it as such a good argument to talk to people, mm-hmm. to be like, hey, yeah, racism is awful. Let's look at the ways that the government perpetuated it because by and large, that's the biggest force, one of divisiveness, of sowing hate, of pitting people against each other and two of the most harmful kinds of racism. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying, like, I'm not gonna go to a business that won't hire black people. If I know that, I'm not gonna give them my business, sure. But like, then you look at the history of statism, you look at, and it's not just against black people and and they're, it's everywhere. It's just the the nature of government. It weaponizes hate, really. And it's not just an American phenomenon either. No, not at all. People people totally, I mean, there is really prominent racism across the globe today. Exactly. Today, way worse than we have here. Mm -hmm. And and people really lose perspective of that. It's it's an interesting uh, point you make though, because I mean, certainly we don't want to downplay racism, but we are also giving a message of empowerment. So it's like, how do you find that balance where you can say like, yes, you're correct. Racism is bad. You're still not a victim though. And you need to, you need right. to stand on your own two feet. Uh, right. But if you're going to focus on racism, that's really bad. You should probably, you know, talk about getting rid of this whole government thing. Uh, right. It's it's an interesting and balance. That's kind of the angle I've taken because I'm a white girl. I'm not going to like, I don't, and I don't have super developed opinions on it. I know the history and my opinion and the stance I take and the videos I've made, like with all the outrage about Trump, it's like, why were you so scared of him? Okay, he's a white supremacist, but why was he so dangerous? Because he had government on his side. Yes, Yes, exactly. Like, look at the fundamental issues and all of these, you know, and it's valid to say, okay, slavery was not that long ago. Jim Crow was not that long ago. Huh, Hmm. who codified those things? Oh, right. That wasn't just random individual white people. That was the government. So for me, that is always my home base. Come back to that. Yeah. Because I'm not like, yeah, it matters. It's not my biggest issue. I'm more concerned about like being anti-war. And Martin, I love how they like scrub that out of Martin Luther King's message. Like very rarely is how anti-war he was included in his message on Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. Very rarely do you hear about what he said about the Vietnam War. You know, and, and for the record, that was the reason he was murdered by the FBI. Really? I actually oh. didn't know that. <laughs> oh, undoubtedly. Like yeah. his, they, I, I don't think that they cared nearly as much about the civil rights movement as they did about his pushing, right. uh, pushing back against the Vietnam War. And right. same with, uh, you know, JFK. I'm sorry, I'm going down the conspiracy theory <laughs> here, but uh, JFK, I think, was because he talked about fucking with the Federal Reserve. And those right. are like, those are the things you don't mess with. You don't mess exactly. with the Fed and you don't mess with war. Everything else is kind of superficial and on the surface, and it's not really important, but their power mechanism is printing fiat and bombing right. people. That's where well, everything comes from. And as Ron Paul said, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's no coincidence that the century of central banking coincide with the century of total war or whatever 100%. it was, something along those lines. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Power structures. Let's look at those. That could be yep. useful. <laughs> well, it, no, that's, that is a, 
I mean, it's definitely the correlate correlation equals causation on that one because right. <laughs> you can you cannot have all out war for an entire century in, unless you have the capacity to print money. And damn, did we find out the hard way? Um, exactly. And who does that affect? Like when all of this money is diverted to those things, who does it impoverish? Who does inflation affect the most? It affects the poor. Mm-hmm. And if you want to talk about racism, okay, well, who's poor? It tends to be more minorities, and it just it drives me insane because the solutions that the leftists are offering are only going to make it worse. And then they're just going to be like, it's capitalism and Republicans. They did this. You know, it's like yeah. that meme, like where you shoot the, I can't, I can't think of it exactly, but you know what I'm talking about where you like shoot somebody and he's like, why would they do this? And oh yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just waiting for it. I know it's, it's coming. Yeah. Like after four years of Democrats, somehow they're still going to blame Republicans. I, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, literally any economic collapse is the fault of capitalism. Any economic yeah. boom is the, is the, uh, you know, whoever the most recent Democrat president was gets, exactly. gets responsibility. It's very frustrating, yeah. but yeah. Um, I don't know. How, I don't know how we break free of it. And, and to your point about, you know, still, still keeping in mind the absolute abhorrence that we have for racism is that I was, I was most frustrated with the LP and I know you're an anarchist. So you probably don't care about the LP, but <laughs> uh, I'm an ANCAP. I don't really care about the LP either, but I still talk <laughs> about it sometimes. I was most frustrated with them because they failed to message that we have been the party that pushed back against drug laws, that pushed against the Fed, which is, you know, inflating your dollars away, pushed back against the minimum wage, which limits opportunities. We pushed back against the welfare state. Everything that has crippled minority communities, as well as poor white people, I don't want to leave them out. Um, But it's like the, the libertarians, you don't have to sit, you don't have to signal with bullshit platitudes about right. Black Lives Matter. You say, we have been mattering about Black <laughs> Lives <laughs> for right. a long time. So that yeah. was my main frustration. Like on the issues that actually matter, like the real nuts and bolts of institutionalized racism, if you want to talk about it. Like, right. and okay, I did see that Elizabeth Warren and some other Democrats introduced a bill to end qualified immunity in the House. I don't know if it'll pass. Like, cool, that's one effort. But oh, I just want to say one thing because this really bothered me because there's this Please. whole private prison push. And yes, like, not a good thing. We don't want the government subsidizing industries and like giving them unfair advantages, sure. But it was this whole celebration that Biden like banned private prisons. I looked it up. It's like 9% of prisoners in the whole country. And yep. that was this big issue for the left. Oh, capitalism shouldn't influence who's in prison. <laughs> okay, well, it's not really. It is a little bit. And sure, it's great that that was done away with. I don't I don't wish they had kept it, you know? But if you look at, there's no conversation about the prisons themselves. Right. And that's where most people are. People and I always... don't see Democrats moving down the drug war either in any substantial way. No, no. <laughs> they always fail to strike the root. I mean, they yeah. they just miss it every single time. And it's so exhausting because I'm like, <laughs> regardless of the fact that I don't say Black Lives Matter, I don't hashtag it, I don't fucking hammer that point home. I have talked about and cared more about these issues for the Black community over my entire life than any of these fucking Democrats that are bullshitting right. have ever. Right. You know, like right. I, I genuinely fucking care. Like I really, really want to get these people freed. Yeah. I want them out of prison for the yeah. love of God. Right. And, and, and I also want to bring our soldiers home. Like I really fucking care about that. It's not, right. I'm not like trying to get social clout by saying we should end these wars. I have right. friends that have shaking hands that come back from wars that it, it breaks my heart. You know, like I, these, these are really meaningful things. And it's like, it, it, pisses me off when we get struck uh see i need to meditate again i'm getting 
It's okay. Um, You're allowed to be angry. <laughs> it's not bad or wrong. The, the anger is, is just inside of me. It's not, it is not me. So you're present to the anger right now. <laughs> I was, I think it's because of this conversation. I was, I was able to identify it. Uh, now I've totally lost my point, but yeah, it's just, it's just very frustrating. And I, and I wish that, Oh, I, I just, I just get sick of the superficiality of these arguments. Yeah. It's like people are more interested in, in virtue signaling on these topics. And yeah. I could like, I really genuinely don't care if you think I'm a good person, as long as we can get people out of prison. Like That's all right. I want. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, yeah. it has been an absolute blast carried. Is there any, anything else you'd like to say? Um, any plugs that we could give for you? Cause I'm sure people would like to follow you. Um, well, before I plug myself, I want to say, check out Tara Brock. It's T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H. Again, she's still a statist. It'll be a good practice in compassion. You will get value out of it and you can sit with what you notice coming up when she, not that often, but every once in a while says something kind of status. I find myself, I'm like, I'm annoyed. Oh, this is not, F you Tara. And then I'm like, okay. She's like, she has a good, anyway, check out Tara Brock. Also check out Ram Dass. I'm sure a lot of people know who he is. R-A-M. Yeah, D-A-S-S, Ram Dass amazing for meditation, spirituality, consciousness, awareness, like somebody who is like super neurotic, super buttoned down to Ivy League, ivory tower, blah, blah, blah. And then just had his mind blown, became super spiritual, got into shrooms and acid and then was like, wait, this still isn't it. Got into meditation, <laughs> spirituality, check him out. Um, and then there's me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube. I am on Facebook, but I don't really post there. I'm on the decentralized apps. There's a wonderful app called Float. I think it's float f-l-o-t-e dot app i want to say i actually just went to a little festival in texas they threw which was wonderful um nobody was living in fear we just had a nice community we we're all chilling uh, but they're wonderful people they're part of our community uh they made that app i'm on minds um what else am i on i think there's something called hive i know my content is posted there but i don't do it i think it's but um that's another one to check out um Miwi, i need to post there too there's so many platforms but um support those people too, because they're anti-censorship. They're, they don't fuck with algorithms. You know, it's just, you post something, people see it. How strange. Yeah. Um, check those out, but we do still have to be on the regular platforms for the normies. So I'm on Twitter, Carrie underscore Wedler, and just to spell it C-A-R-E-Y-W-E-D as in dog L-E-R. Awesome. That's, that's all you, I got. You are such a pro. And I, I just quick story. I, I actually, um, I had worked for a family business and back in 2000, I don't know, 11 or so I had a falling out with my, with my dad and I ended up starting my own company, but I had, I made that decision while I took a, a three week cruise through the Panama canal reading be here now and the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And nice. it changed my life. I was Love like, it. I'm never going to work full time again <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to meditate like all the time. So Love it. yeah, that's why we get along. Now I figured it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Carrie. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me. By far the best part about doing the show is getting to talk to people like Carrie, to meet just unbelievable uh, tour de force type folks in the Liberty Movement. And speaking of tour de forces, y'all have been hooking your boy up. I can't even believe it, but it's been about a month since I uh, checked out my reviews on iTunes and I was not disappointed. We have 32 new reviews, uh, only nine of them were write-ups, but wow, uh, unbelievable support. So I wanted to start by saying thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you guys love the show, please do go leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps me a lot. So now I'm going to read them off because that's what I promised to do, and I'm a man of my word. 
Appalachian neocon hater says based. Clint is based as fuck. Facts. Uh, a whole bunch of letters says absolute fire. Dude is down to earth and will hit you back if you DM him. LL is one of the best shows in this community. That's a fact. And I will respond to DMs because I'm just cool like that. We got Dickless1 <laughs> says, thank you. Started listening after I heard you on Pete's show. You're now one of my main podcasts. Thanks for what you do. That's awesome. It's very hard to break into the top, you know, listening rotation. And the fact that I could do that for you is amazing. Red TMB says, guess. When you have guests on, you should give them more time to speak. You monopolize too much of the time speaking. Your guests do not speak nearly enough. <laughs> hey, fuck you too, man. <laughs> you know, it is my show. I should I should talk a little bit. Uh, I just wanted to... And that, he gave me four stars, though. So <laughs> I think that's my first four-star review, which uh, I'll, I'll take that to heart. Uh, for the record, many of my episodes, I hardly talk at all. In the most recent episode... With uh, David, I, I let him talk probably 95% of the time, so uh, some episodes I'm going to talk more, and sometimes I'm going to talk less, and uh, I think that I do a pretty good job of balancing it, but I, I appreciate the constructive criticism, and I hope that you keep listening, even though that review was kind of harsh. Uh, you could have left five stars and then still given me that note, you know? Come on. Uh, five stars. Against the State 79 says, great show. Came from Free Man Beyond the Wall. Uh, Clint is an awesome host. Listen to Kevin Castley debate if you want to have nightmares. Yeah, you might want to skip that one, even though people seem to have enjoyed it a lot. Uh, we got a whole bunch of letters again. It says, awesome po podcast. Can't decide if Kevin Castley is stupid or evil. Both? I'm going to go with both. And we got renegade underscore cut hot, H-O-A-T. I don't know if that's his Twitter handle. It says, nice job. Killed that debate. Just my thoughts. Bring up food addiction when discussing drug war. Good idea. Uh, we got... Uh, mysteriously, but it's spelled with Z's for some reason. Five stars says motivated. Keep the fight going. Love what you're doing. Oh, and one more review. We got at Woody with three Y's 17. That looks like it's his Twitter handle. So give him a follow. Awesome show. If you value Liberty at, at all, this show is great. Listen, feels good to know there are more people who think like me in a world where there are very few. Agreed, Woody. I'm happy to, uh, to make you feel less alone. Y'all do the same for me. Thank you guys so much for uh, for tuning in once again. Uh, we have a stupid, ridiculous, obscene, absurd lineup coming up. We have next Monday, Rolo and Car Campit to talk Bitcoin. Then I'm on Naturalist Capitalist. And then that night, or excuse me, that morning, I have Hannah Cox on my show. Then the following day, the great Scott Horton. And then end of the month, Vin Armani, uh, Pekinona's is scheduled to come back on again sometime in April, as well as uh, Olivia Rondo, I think is how you pronounce it. Maggie Anders, Hannah Griff. Oh, three more. Mark Changizi, Hotep Jesus, and Ricky Dale Harrington Jr. And then lastly, just scheduled today, I will have Tim Moan, who is the head of the Libertarian Party in Canada. So I thought that would be an interesting thing to get the perspective of a, uh, you know, Canuck, a Canuck Libertarian. What a novelty. Last bit of business. Bunch of you guys have already bought shirts. Go to teespring.com backslash liberty dash lockdown dash podcast. Uh, description will also have it. And uh, if you want to buy a shirt, they're really cool. I just got them in the mail and they're very comfortable and super sick. If you get the premium tea, they feel much better. They're only like a dollar more. So I would recommend you splurge for that. Use code liberty for the next 10 days and you can get 10% off. It ends at the end of March. So I wanted to give some benefit to the people that support me earliest. 
And uh, like I said, I'm not trying to make money off of it. I just really want to get the word out. Lastly, if you like this show in audio format, continue to listen in audio. I do have a YouTube channel. It's Liberty Lockdown. And uh, we are already up to 1,000 subs- subscribers over there, which is really cool. Uh, it's already doing really well. And I just started it like 60 days ago, which is ridiculous that you guys have hopped on board that quickly. And then lastly, I also have a Instagram, which is Liberty Lockdown. I have no followers over there because I never use it, but I have started to use it. And I hope that you will subscribe or follow or whatever the hell it's called. Love you. We out. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. World premiere. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening. Scared Hollywood left these lyrical fappening. A typo with Luke might bring the nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm a shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government, just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Allowable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky Smooth Tom was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic to rip a 59 Miles to Ray showed that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and Welcome rock steady Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get them off the fucking throne If you're right with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show.